0: Thank you. That was good. Amen. And uh, so let's get ready for the word. Let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord and to his word and to the Holy Spirit, which is present among us, that he does according to his good will and according to his good word. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today as we gather together. This is the day that you have made. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised to us, but we have today. And in today, Lord, we ask you to do good things, great things, mighty things, glorious things. Lord, that the name of Jesus be exalted on our lips, in our heart, and that the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ rings from out of these four walls. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. So this morning, I want to share with you from God's heart and his word, and his word to you and his heart to you today is that you would cease from striving. See, there's, God has never asked us anywhere in Scripture that we strive. It says in Psalm 46, verse 10, cease from striving and know that I am God. New translations say, be still and know that I am God. And so God wants to say to you today, cease from your striving. You're striving to be better. You're striving to do better. You're striving to to live better, oh Lord, if, you know. Uh, uh, today I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this this way. I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. I'm going to I'm going to read your Bible. I'm going to I'm going to do more of this, Lord. I'm going to do more of that, Lord. I'm going to I'm going to do it so that I can be better and I can do better and I can live better, Lord. I can do this before you. And if you've noticed, what is in the midst of all that you're saying when you're saying that is I and not him. See, striving has a lot of I in it and not a lot of God in it. I'll do better. I'll live better. I'll be better. And you see, we place the burden on ourselves to do and to be and to overcome. And when we do that, we strive for, the, for something that God has not asked us to strive for, nor has He commanded us to strive for, nor is it a work of the Holy Spirit that we strive for those things. So God wants you to cease from striving. God, never, God has never, in His Word, asked you to strive to become like Jesus. See, striving is a work of the flesh. See, just because I'm wearing sandals doesn't mean I'm walking like Jesus. Well, that I'm like Jesus. But here's the thing. Striving is born out of the flesh. It's born out of pride. It's born out of, uh, out of I, a sense of I can do this. I'll do it. I'll, I'll overcome. And God has never asked us to strive to be like Jesus. What the, the striving is a work of the flesh. Transformation is a work of the spirit. See, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, he doesn't want us to strive to be like Jesus. He wants the Holy Spirit to transform us so that, we are, so that we reflect Jesus, so that we reflect the image of Jesus and that we live like Jesus. That's transformation. That's not striving. See, and when we allow God to transform us, then what we do is we're surrendering these things We're surrendering to to striving. We're surrendering our will. We're surrendering these things. And what happens is we, the transformative power of the word of God, the transformation power of the Holy Spirit, the transformation power of the will of God transforms us and we no longer need to to strive to do these things. See, striving, I believe, is rooted, rooted, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) Over words that were spoken spoken over to us when we were young. Words like, you'll never succeed. You become a young man, you're trying to venture out and find your way, and someone over you said, You'll never succeed at that. Someone over you who may have taught you different skill level and a skill set transferred onto you, says yes, but you'll never attain. Someone over you may have said, You'll never measure up. And see, because of those words spoken over you, because those words entered into your spirit, now you live your life striving. To be, to overcome those words and be something. And you've even transferred those words and transferred the, you've transferred it over into your relationship with God. And you think that God would put on you such a burden that you have to strive in your in your relationship with him. Strive to please him. Strive to walk with him. Strive to gain his attention. Strive to gain his his uh, his uh, his um acceptance, all these things, you strive in your relationship with God because you feel like you you don't measure up. And so you strive in your own work for perfection and you place a burden on yourself that wears you out and at times you say, I just can't do this thing. Because we strive in our own strength and not in the spirit and strength of the Lord to do the things that God asked us to do, and we find ourselves failing at times, frustrated, tired, worn out, discouraged, dismayed, in doubt, in unbelief, in shame, in guilt. Because we're striving for God instead of walking with God. And while it is admirable to strive to succeed in the classroom, on the job, and with your talents, striving to earn God's approval is born out of a sense of inadequacies that is not faith, but is rooted in fear. Fear that you'll displease him. Fear that you'll fail. Fear that that you'll make a mistake. Fear that you don't measure up. And so we strive with all that's within us to be better than we are. And to have this Christian thing down pat so that we can be pleasing to God and so that we can receive the approval of God and the approval of men. And those things are born out of pride and they're born out of fear and they're born out of uh, insecure inadequacies and it's not faith it's fear see Hebrews eleven six says this but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him So that which is not, so when we find ourselves in this place of, of, of being driven, of striving for this perfection, striving for uh, uh, the, this, this thing that God has called us to, this relationship with God, uh, this Christian walk, when we strive to it, it's born out of fear and inadequacies and it's not out of faith. And because of that, it misses the mark. See, striving is, self, is a self-centered drive. It minimizes God and puts you in the driver's seat. So you find yourself driving at 100 miles an hour, driving down the road of your salvation, trying to do the things that will please God, trying to to, uh, uh, make this thing work, make this thing right, uh, striving in all the areas of your life, striving, and then you find yourself, you run out of gas. (sighs) And you get run over by the enemy. And your tank is empty. And you found yourself lost because you thought you had the map. And now you feel yourself far from God and you don't know where you are. And you're too proud to ask for directions. And so what God says to you today is, move over, give me the steering wheel, and let me take control. Cease from striving. Today, hand God your steering wheel. Surrender to him and embrace his goodness. See, Psalm 46.10 says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So God is encouraging you today to cease from your striving. Now, when I went to the Lord and even I had a sense of striving this this week, um, Talking with Jill, Jill was like, have you, do you have a message yet? No, I don't have a message yet. I don't have a message yet. And uh, in the harriedness of, you know, working in and this and, then, and the responsibility of uh, getting a sense of what God wants to say, even I find myself in a place of striving. And I was, I got to say, I was really kind of wound up, you know, and we all get like this, you know. And um, I just went to this present and I, I just had to say, God, please, just, just unwind me. I'm kind of I'm wound too tight. And as I went into his presence and just worship and just got still, and I really wasn't even in there a long time, I just felt the calming presence of the Lord, and I felt my spirit just kind of just let it all go, kind of like Calgon. Just took me away. But there was this peace that came upon me, and then it was in that peace that God spoke to me, about striving. And he says, I want you to speak to my people about three areas that I want them to cease from striving. Area number one is cease from striving for his acceptance. I'm going to be in a couple of places of Scripture this morning, kind of like I was the last time I was here. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if you want to say build my case, build the Scripture so that you have place to hang your hat, but this is what God wants to affirm to you today, is to cease from striving, and we're going to find a the first place where we're at, cease from striving, is from his acceptance, and that's Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17 says, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So that seems, this is written from Paul, and it can seem a little bit weighty or heady or too intellectual. And so I was like, God, that seems a little too difficult to, to, the, to, in, to interpret. So I was looking through different scriptures, and I came across the... contemporary English version of what Romans 5, 17 says. And this is what it says. It says, death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. But that cannot compare with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with undeserved grace and he has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we will live and rule like kings. Amen and amen. That's a good place to clap, yeah. I bet you like the ruling and reigning like kings, huh? (laughs) Amen. But here's what it is. You see, we strive for acceptance. See, we think if we do it a certain way, God will accept us. If we say it a certain way, God will accept us. If we live in a certain way, God will accept us. If I do my performance and my job a certain way, God will accept me. And God accepts you for who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God accepts you. God is not looking for you to perform. He's just looking for you to be. He's not looking for you to try to make your life right. Your life has already been made right by the blood of Jesus. He's not looking for you to be right and live right Jesus Christ was right and lived right for you. And so you're covered in his righteousness. And because of that, you have God's acceptance. The Bible tells us that we're accepted in the beloved. And so God wants you to understand that your performance doesn't equate to him your acceptance. Your acceptance comes from your relationship to him through his son, Jesus Christ. You're accepted by God. See, the disobedience of Adam brought striving. In Roman, I'm sorry, not in Romans, in Genesis chapter 11, remember when God created man, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and spread out over the earth. That was the word of the Lord. That was the direction of the Lord. That was the will of the Lord. That's what God wanted man to do. And if we remember in Genesis, everyone had one language. And they get to a certain place. And they said, let us build a city. Okay. But then let us build a tower. And let it... Let's build this tower so high that it reaches to the heavens. What were they trying to do? Strive in their own way to reach God. And so God comes down and he looks at this thing and he says, wow, if this is the thing that they can do together, there's really nothing that they can do. But they were disobeying the word of the Lord in their striving. God said to them to go out and replenish the earth. So God confused their languages and sent them out. See, but because of our fallen nature, we strive to please God. We strive in our inadequacies. We strive for acceptance from God. We think that we just don't measure up. And so because of that, we feel like we're not accepted Those times when the days seem dark do not does not influence his acceptance of you. Seasons of rebellion or times when faith wears thin never alter his love for you. He is like the shining sun ever there to bestow his blessings upon his children, but dark clouds of rebellion or doubt only hide his face, but never his acceptance. He has the f- he has the finger of his grace upon your life and has engraved you on his hands. But like a wise parent with a temperamental child, he waits and he waits and he waits. See, there comes times in our, in our life, in all of our walks, where we get to a place where we rebel, resist, do our own thing, hold God at a certain distance, and then it's in those things that we begin to work out our own. We, we start to work out our Christianity in our own flesh. We begin to work out different things or to feel God's acceptance. And God, like, a, like it says in, in, in this illustration, like a wise parent, he waits and he waits and he waits till we've run out of gas and we kneel before him and we ask him once again to come in and make things right. And it's in those times when we're at our weakest. It's at those times that we're at our most vulnerable. It's at those times when we're at our most honest. That we feel the presence of God come, come upon us. We feel the closeness of God come upon us. And it's in all those times that he never left us. But accepted us in all that we were doing. Amen. Amen. So striving... For acceptance dies when you realize God accepts you because of the sacrificial obedience of Jesus. Amen. Area number two is striving for his forgiveness. This is Psalms 103, verses 10 through 14. It says here, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. See, what happens at times in... We all sin. And it says here in the Psalms that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. See, when, when we confess our sins, God does this to them. One goes in that direction, one goes in that direction, and he remembers your sins no more. They no longer enter his presence. The hard part is, is that we feel the guilt and we feel the shame and we keep bringing the sin, the sin, the sin, <clears throat> let me try that again. We keep bringing the same sin before him over and over and over again. I want to let you know, with God, forgiveness is instantaneous. Amen. But with us, we think that um, we have to remind him of it. We think that. Uh, we, We want God to forgive us when we feel forgiven instead of realizing that the moment that we got on our knees, the moment that we confessed our sin, the moment that we asked for forgiveness, it was done. And so we walk around with this burden of that we have to strive to, to get God's forgiveness. We walk around with this burden that we have to strive to, to say the right prayer so that God will forgive us instead of realizing that the blood of Jesus had already cleansed us of all sin. Yes. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so it's a done deal, but we like to rehearse it. Because the enemy rehearses it to us. You did this. You did that. You shamed yourself. You shamed others. You shamed God. What kind of Christian are you? And what it, we, so now we're striving to uh, reconcile this thing before God so that we can be forgiven. And so we strive for God's forgiveness, not realizing that forgiveness is instantaneous. The moment we confess it, it's done. It's, it's finished. It's cleansed. You have an advocate. You have someone that's in heaven interceding for us in our weaknesses. We have an advocate with the Father. Um, Randy, can you help me a minute? I'll be right back. I got to take care of something. Hang out. I'll be back in a half hour. Right over here. Everybody's wondering, what's he, gonna, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's going on? I want to talk to you about something when it comes to forgiveness. I want to talk to you about habits. We're all honest, we all got them. Some of us got strong habits, some of us got dehabilitating habits, some of us have had a habit from childhood that we have brought into the kingdom of God and we just see, can't seem to get free. I'm not going to name your habit because you know what it is. We all have them. And if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with it, okay? But I want to talk to you about habit just like I want to talk to you about forgiveness because the thing with forgiveness we think is that God can forgive me here, but God cannot forgive me here. God forgive me when I've done this, but God cannot forgive me for what I, for 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 what for that. God can't keep forgiving me over and over again for the same sin that's been going on in my life from a long time ago that I just can't seem to get free. God can't forgive me. And I want to let you know, so you strive for God's forgiveness. You'll say you 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 do the things like saying, I, I, "I'm gonna I'm gonna do better this time, God. No more, God. I'm done with it. It's over." Only to find yourself. Somewhere down the road during that week, you're back to the same habit. And now you think you have to earn God's forgiveness because you, you, you lied or, or you, you, now you failed God again. And I want to talk to you about this. I want to let you know something, that your habit, when confessed, when you really get to the point of where you begin to relate to God out of your habit, you begin a journey with God that begins to take you where you want to go. See, what happens with a habit is as I begin to let God in, eventually I have a bit of it left. Still there. I know I'm struggling with it, but I'm confessing it. And I've also, what I've done is, is I've become obedient to God in it and I've walked with someone in accountability. See, But as I'm walking with someone in accountability, somebody I trust, somebody that's not going to condemn me, somebody that's not going to shut me off, somebody that's not going to cut me off or abort me, right in the middle of my struggle when I'm trying to get free, no, he's hanging out with me, and he knows that I have a bit of it still in in me. See, when you want to get free from a habit, I want to let you know this. You can read the Bible for 24 hours. The next day, you can pray for 24 hours. The next day, you can fast for 24 hours. I can guarantee you, you'll fall. Because God never asked you to deal with your sin by yourself. He asked you, he created the church just for that one reason. First of all, for Jesus Christ to break the power of sin, to cleanse you of sin, but then to bring others around you, to walk with you, to find you to the place where you can be free. And that's one of the reasons why I want to say to you, if you're struggling with a habit, it would be really good for you to get involved with um, our CR, what's that? Um, Celebrate Recovery. The reason why I say that is because, listen, I've struggled with things in my life. I've struggled with habits. I have. And when I got honest with myself and got real and began to bring myself in accountability with, pe- with people and then went with community of people that were struggling with things like I was, all of a sudden, I found a connection And as I began to to go with these guys and go through things with these guys and begin to build a relationship with these guys, that I found myself becoming free of what was binding me. And so what God wants to say to you is your habit is a journey with God to get you through it. So what happens is as I continue to to journey with God, you know what? I still have a bit of it left, but I'm not falling as much as I used to. I'm finding that I still have... I'm having a strength. I'm finding that now I'm not relating to God out of shame yeah. and guilt. I'm relating to God out of forgiveness and grace and mercy. Yeah. And so the healing process is beginning. And I'm finding myself not hiding from God now, but running to God and realizing I still have a bit of this left in my life. And because I still have it, I realize that God loves me in the midst of it. And I realize that others love me too in the midst of it. And I'm not afraid of it anymore. I realize it. And I know I got it. But it's not holding me back. It's pushing me forward. I all of a sudden found out I've got a, I've got a fighter spirit in me. And I'm fighting this thing. Now I'm not hiding. I'm not... It doesn't come upon me and all of a sudden I find myself in a spirit of fear, but I find myself in a spirit of faith. And though I've fallen, I get back up quicker than I used to. And I confess it quicker than I used to. And I call somebody quicker than I used to. And I find myself, really, that I'm walking out this journey and what I thought I would never be able to accomplish seems to be that I'm, I'm, relate, I'm finding people around me that are loving on me, that are encouraging me, that are, that are strengthening me, that are identifying with me in my habit as somebody else identified with them in theirs. And then all of a sudden, I get to the cross. And when I get to the cross by this beautiful journey that God took me through and, sh- and displayed to me his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his kindness, even his blessings. I get to the cross and finally I lay it down and that which was binding me no longer has hold on me. And so I don't strive for forgiveness, I realize that I'm forgiven and in the journey Between me and God and others around me, I get to the cross and I find myself free. Amen? Amen. Cease from striving for forgiveness. Amen. Randy, can we get this? Because I know I'm going to walk into it. So that's area number three. I mean, I'm sorry, area number two. See, God understands you deeper than you know yourself. He knows you. See, when, when you came to Jesus and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God knew the baggage you were taking into the kingdom. See, because you called out to him in the midst of your your sin. You called out to him in the midst of your addiction. You called out to him in the midst of your habit. And you accepted him, and he accepted you. And then when you came into the kingdom, he knew that you were going to struggle with this. The sad part is, is that you hide it from him. Lord, I'll I'll talk to you about this, but I won't talk to you about this. And God is saying, yeah, but that's what's holding you back. You've got this. You ain't got that. And so I want you to take that and bring it before me. Because guess what? I got a beautiful journey to take you on, that by the time I set you free, you're going to turn around and you're going to tell others about how they can be set free. Amen? Amen. So I want you to know that God forgives you for all that you've been through. God forgives you for your habit, and guess what? He accepts you in your habit. And lastly, he loves you in your habit. See, the thing that we have to strive, the thing that we have to stop striving from is his love. See, we're used to love being conditional. If you do this, I'll love you. If you get this grade, I'll love you. If you do that, I'll love you. And we're so conditioned for love being conditional that we think that we have to perform for God in such a way that he'll love us. And that's not God. God's love is unconditional. He loved you when you were an enemy with Christ. What does it say in Romans? It says that, that, um, that even when we were enemies with Christ, God loved us and displayed his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly. See, so in the midst of all that you were, in the midst of your worst, God loved you. He loved you when he created you. He loved you in the womb. He loved you out of the womb. He loved you through all of your pain and failure. He loved you. He pursued you with love. He created you out of love. He was constant with his love. Even when you rejected his love, he still loved you. And we think now that we've become, become born again and we're saved and all of this, I have to work to receive God's love. I have to strive to receive God's love. That is nothing but a lie. Right. Because what we're doing is we're transferring onto God how others loved us. The failures of others have now been transferred onto the, onto the Father. And we relate to God out of the failures of others. Of how others loved us. And we think that God is only gonna love us when we get this thing straight and we get this thing right. And I wanna let you know a couple of things. One, we're never gonna get this thing straight and we're never gonna get this thing right. (laughs) Yes, we'll overcome in some areas of this, but the thing that He wants to let you know is that He loves you. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Well tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or, famine, famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly, but over all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, amen. and amen. So <laughs> you got to stop telling yourself the lie that God doesn't love you. Nothing, 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 nothing will separate you from the love of God. Yeah, but nothing. Yeah, but what if nothing? Well, I did nothing. Well, I said nothing. Well, I was nothing. Well, you should have saw nothing. Well, if you would have seen me nothing, Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are loved. Loved. See, we try to dress love up and, you know, get all dressed up, brush our teeth, put on cologne, (laughs) buy flowers, a card, a box of chocolates. That's love, right? Nah. That's not love. I mean, that's a a tiny display of love in a relationship way. But love is someone coming to earth and, and being born in a manger and then walking in the midst of the depravity and the muck and the mire of all sin. pouring out his life into 12 men healing preaching loving and then being rejected and then being subject to a beating so brutal that could not even recognize who he was and then being condemned to death because he was rejected by man by men over a murderer then he carries a cross. And he's nailed to a tree. A crown of thorns upon his head. And even in that, when his arms stretched out, he says, forgive them because they know not what they do. And then he dies and he's placed into a tomb and he goes down into the depths of hell and he tells Slewfoot, give me back the keys. And he takes the keys and then he walks out of hell and then he walks out of the grave and then he walks among men and he tells men he gives men the keys and he says I'm victorious over sickness death hell and the grave and then he ascends to the father and he intercedes for us in our worst times that's love that's love and as brutal as it was it is the most powerful love a uh, display of love that it actually changes lives that's love amen Amen. And that's the love that God has for you. And that's the love that God has displayed for you so you don't have to strive for his love. This is supposed to be a true story from the time of Oliver Cromwell. I don't know who Oliver Cromwell is. You Google it. I didn't have time. A young soldier had been tried in military court and sentenced to death. He, he was to be shot at the ringing of a curfew, of the curfew bell. His fiancee climbed up into the bell tower several hours before curfew time and tired herself to the bell's huge clapper. At curfew time, when only muted sounds came out of the bell tower, Cromwell demanded to know what the be- why the bell was not ringing. His soldiers went to investigate and found the young woman cut and bleeding from being knocked back and forth against the great bell. They brought her down, and as the story goes, Cromwell was so impressed with her willingness to suffer in this way, on behalf of someone she loved, that he dismissed the soldier, the soldiers saying, curfew shall not ring tonight. See, love that has to be strived for is not true love. Love that is given away unconditionally, that is true love. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you today to cease from striving. Cease from feeling that you're not accepted when you are. Cease from trying to be accepted from God and receive that you are accepted by God. Cease from trying to be forgiven because you seem to have an area in your life that you seem to keep falling into. I want you to cease and understand God forgives you. All God asks you to do is join him on a journey and find out where where he'll take you so that you can be, forgiven. I'm not forgiven, set free. He's already forgiven you for that. (laughs) Lastly, (laughs) cease from striving to be loved when you are loved, when he's demonstrated his love for you. And he loves you with such a great compassion. I want to let you know that he is absolutely in love with you. 100% in love with you. There's nothing you can do or say or anything that you've done, past, present, or future, that would ever stop him from loving you. God is absolutely in love with you. Amen. So, love that has to be strived for is not is not love. It's not true love. True love is given unconditionally. So, Psalm forty six ten cease from striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Ce- cease from striving to be accepted by God. Cease from striving to be uh, forgiven by God. Cease from striving to be loved by God. Rest, receive, revel in the goodness of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray today that you would break chains, shackles, generational curses, generational words that have wounded your children and caused them to strive. Strive to be accepted by you. Strive to be forgiven by you. Strive to be loved by you. Let them receive today that not only are they accepted, not only are they forgiven, not only are they loved, but that, God, you have broken the, the, the back of the enemy that has driven them to strive for these things. Lord, and I pray for those that are in the place of a, of a habit, Lord, where they feel the shame and the guilt of the enemy and even the condemnation, that, Lord, today grace is released, mercy is released, love is released, freedom is released, and the chains of the habitual sin is broken And Lord, I pray that you right now just give them wisdom on who to call, wisdom on where to go and how to begin the journey with you and with others to see them bring it to the cross and find freedom in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, amen.